0: We have a six-week-old girl she's brought to the gp for well child examination the parents are not concerned about her growth or breastfeeding her centiles for length and weight are normal and examination shows a blowing holosystolic murmur along the left sternal border and the question simply asks you the diagnosis okay not a complicated question so we look at the answer choices here we see atrial septal defect we know that's wrong because that's going to present as a fixed splitting of s2 um, we could talk for literally 40 minutes about splitting, but what you need to know, long story short, is just wide, fixed splitting of S2. Fixed splitting of S2 for an ASD, sometimes will be described as wide. Uh, S2 is refers to closure of the aortic and pulmonic valves uh, at the end of systole. So the closure of S2, that is going to mark the onset of diastole. A2 occurs before P2. And the more pressure you have in a respective ventricle, the later that distal valve will close. So let's say we inhale, okay? Decrease intrathoracic pressure, increase venous return to the right heart. That's gonna increase volume in the right ventricle, increase pressure in the right ventricle. And P2 is going to occur slightly later. So the distance between A2 and P2 increases. That's a wide splitting of S2. Um, and the opposite occurs with exhalation. Okay, so we get this oscillatory effect where A2 and P2 uh, move far apart during inspiration, then closer together during expiration. Now with an ASD, Uh, The movement of blood from the left side of the heart to the right side of the heart is going to nullify that effect. So we get what's called a fixed splitting of S2. And sometimes it can be described as a wide fixed splitting of S2 simply just because you're putting more blood in the right heart if it's moving from the left side of the heart, if it's coming from the left side of the heart. Uh, Coarctation of the aorta, classically Turner syndrome, okay? And question will always mention something about the pulses being stronger in the upper limbs versus lower limbs, or they'll say that the upper limbs are warm and pink, lower limbs are blue and dusky. Uh, they want you to know that the blood pressure is high in the upper limbs, not just because of uh, the mere physical backup, but also because of up upregulation of renin-angiotensin system due to decreased perfusion of the kidneys. Uh, the murmur can be described as infra. Clavicular and systolic, but questions don't often say that. Uh, it'll be a giveaway if they do give you coarctation because, as I said, they'll mention the difference between the upper limbs and the lower limbs. And once again, classically, Turner syndrome. Preductal versus postductal. Uh, Preductal is the one that occurs in pediatrics with closure of the ductus arteriosus, uh, postductal is the one that occurs in adults. A lot we could chat about. Now, patent ductus arteriosus, this is going to present three ways on um, the USMLE. They want you to know continuous machinery like murmur, very buzzwordy, very classic. Sometimes the question will just say continuous murmur. The second way will be pan systolic, pan diastolic, which makes sense. It's continuous through both uh, systole and diastole. And the third way is to and fro. Two hyphen and hyphen f r o and that's actually on one of the nbmes for 2ck uh students see that they're like what the fuck the question actually relies on you knowing that descriptor to get it right so that's why i tell you now sounds weird and then eventually you're going to hit that question uh and you'll see that it rides on you knowing uh to and fro in order to get the pda question right um, PDA rarely, I don't wanna get too off topic from the rest of the answer choice here, but PDA um, can rarely be described as having bounding pulses. Now that's a classic descriptor for aortic regurgitation. Bounding pulses means you have a wide pulse pressure. It means you have a big, um, a big difference between your systolic and your diastolic blood pressure. And it reflects blood quickly leaving the arterial circulation. In aortic regurg, Blood is pumped into the aorta, quickly falls back into the heart. That makes sense, bounding pulses. Um, But you can also have blood uh, quickly leaving the aorta for the pulmonary trunk with a PDA, right? So you can get bounding pulses sometimes where you get a kid who has a a to-and-fro murmur with bounding pulses. You're like, wait, that's weird. Why are they bounding pulses? I thought that was aortic regurg. Well, you can also get it with a PDA. And you can also get bounding pulses with arteriovenous fistulae. Um, let's say someone has Paget disease of bone, or if someone has an AV fistula made for dialysis, ventricular septal defect present three ways on the exam. They're always going to tell you that there's a holosystolic murmur at the left sternal border or a harsh systolic murmur at the left sternal border. They're always going to say that. And then they're going to add one of three details. Okay. So the first way they'll describe VSD, they'll say holosystolic murmur, left sternal border with a palpable thrill or heave. A palpable thrill just means a murmur you can actually palpate. That means you have a four on six murmur or above. A heave just means you can actually palpate the chest wall. Um, The second way they'll describe the VSD is holosystolic murmur, left sternal border with left atrial enlargement. And that's because if you have blood moving across uh, the interventricular septum into the right ventricle, that's going to be extra blood, extra preload that's going to go back through the lungs to the left atrium. So the left atrium has to handle not just the systemic circulation, but also that, rec- that uh, recurrent preload going back across the VSD. So you can, you can get left atrial enlargement. That can confuse some people because they're like, wait, why the fuck is the left atrium enlarged if this is a VSD? Like, is the answer ASD? No, it's not. This is standard for VSD. The third way is they'll give you holosystolic murmur, left sternal border with a diastolic rumble, okay? And that can also reflect uh, increased blood uh, moving into the left atrium, okay? So those are three ways for VSD. Uh, VSD also classic for DeGeorge syndrome. It's just part of Tetralogy of Fallot. Tetralogy of Fallot is classically seen in DeGeorge syndrome, so uh, you're... your pulmonic valve stenosis, your right ventricular hypertrophy, your overriding aorta, your ventricular septal defect. So for DeGeorge syndrome questions, sometimes they'll give you the kid who has a cleft lip, cleft palate, maybe some tetany from the hypocalcemia, absent thymic shadow, and he's got a harsh systolic murmur at the left sternal border, which could reflect a mix of your VSD and your pulmonary stenosis. Um, Functional murmur reflects a murmur that will actually go away uh, under different circumstances. And that might sound vague, but what this refers to is uh, generally a murmur that occurs with tachycardia, okay? So sometimes in pediatrics, classically, you'll have an infection where the heart rate gets very high, maybe like 160, 180, and then the kid has a two-on-six Mid systolic murmur, and you're like, Wait, is this like a congenital heart defect? It's not, it's just a, a flow murmur across the aortic valve. And when the heart rate comes down, uh, the murmur will also uh, mitigate. And you can also get this, I've seen the functional murmur with low hemoglobin as well, like a kid who has sickle cell. Let's say there's a crisis, and you have a scenario where the hemoglobin is seven grams per deciliter and heart rate will increase to compensate for decreased oxygen delivery. So with the increased heart rate, you get the functional murmur. A lot we can talk about, uh, lots of different murmur types, but uh, that's it for this one.